Hello, everyone, and welcome to my God and Cancel Culture podcast. This is Stephen Strang. You know, I wrote a new book. It's out September 7th, the day after Labor Day, and I recorded most of the interviews I did with various Christian leaders that I used in the book, and then I took those recordings and made podcasts out of them. So this podcast actually ran as a Strang Report, and it's with Charles Chris Meyer, who is an expert on end times and the second coming. I actually believe that it was one of the most interesting podcasts that I did. It got a very good response on the Strang Report, and I thought that you would uh, find it interesting. So stay tuned for the entire podcast as it ran on the Strang Report, and then stay tuned for a message at the end. Meyer. Welcome to the Strang Report with Steve Strang on the Charisma Podcast Network. This episode was produced to discuss and address issues within our nation and around the world from a Christian worldview. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to you, Charles. You and I have gotten to know each other over the years, mainly at NRB. Right. And I know you as the president of Save America Ministries. We've worked together in various ways, and I know you well enough to know that you used to be a uh, lawyer and a trial lawyer for over 20 years. And so you're forgiving me for that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, some of my best friends are lawyers, even though people make jokes about it all the time. But um, tell us how you went from being a trial lawyer to being in the ministry. Well, indeed, it's interesting. You spoke about the leadership of the Holy Spirit, Steve. And uh, I was sitting in my law office in 1992 when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and uh, said, son, you've been uh, pleading the cause of men long enough. I want you to plead my cause in the land as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation in America's greatest crisis hour uh, here on the near edge of the second coming. And I said, yes, sir. And uh, at that point, I didn't know exactly what to do. But in 1993, we formed Save America Ministries as a voice to the church, uh, rebuilding the foundations of faith and freedom as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation, America's greatest crisis hour. So uh, that's a little bit of the history and a synopsis there. Uh, I felt a little bit like Abraham because uh, my wife and I had spent 30 years in Southern California. I had taught school for nine years. Uh, before I began practicing law for 20 years, and uh, had pastored, been involved in a, in ministry up to my eyeballs there in Southern California. So it was as if we were leaving uh, business, ministry, and political investment, 30 years of it. I'd run twice for the state legislature. Uh, so I was up to my eyeballs in Southern California and just about anything you could be up to. So for us to up and leave Southern California, as the Lord told us to one evening, Uh, to sell everything we had and go to the birthplace of the nation, Richmond, Virginia, on the shores of the James, America's birth river, and there he would show us what to do. And so we did and launched a national radio program called Viewpoint to confront the deepest issues of America's heart and home. In in May of uh, 1995, so we're now right at 26 years. Boy, that's exciting. And Everyone can tell you have a radio voice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and you're also an author. You've authored many books, including this one on the Antichrist, over 400 pages. How did you become an expert about the Antichrist? Well, it's not a matter of be- me becoming an expert about the Antichrist. Of course, I deal with the issues of our time every day. 
constantly preparing myself in the Word and, uh, you know, researching. But uh, I think my wife believes this, that the Lord gives me unique insight into uh, the implication and application of the Scriptures, not so much in the sense of foretelling the future, but in declaring the Word of the Lord for the future. And uh, so that's what my books primarily do. Uh, all of the nine books to date have uh, gone in that direction, starting with uh, Preserve Us a Nation, uh, based upon our uh, national anthem, and then also moving from there to Renewing the Soul of America. that was endorsed by 38 national Christian leaders. And then uh, moving to other books such as uh, The Power of Hospitality. It's also an end time book. The Apostle Peter said, uh, the end of all things is at hand, therefore use hospitality and do it without grudging. Then we also, my wife and I, for our 50th wedding anniversary, published a book called Lasting Love, uh, Seven Secrets for Marital Success. And even there, that small, beautiful book was wrapped around the expectation of the ultimate wedding supper of the Lamb and how we, in our own marriage, are part of the participation in that uh, great anticipation. Then a book called Out of Egypt, uh, 400 times from Genesis to Revelation, God has called his people out of Egypt. It's an amazing, it's the most repeated theme of the whole Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, what does it mean? And then uh, uh, also the book, uh, The Secret of the Lord, based upon Psalm 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is with them who fear him, and to them only, will he manifest his covenant. We've discovered that uh, the absence of the secret of the Lord, excuse me, the fear of the Lord, the absence of the fear of the Lord is the number one problem facing America today and will lead many to embrace the Antichrist. And then also King of the Mountain, the eternal epic end time battle for he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. Then finally, Hearts of the Fathers, uh, leaving a legacy that lasts based on Malachi chapter four. And then now, uh, in the Antichrist, uh, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. Nine books. And all those books, of course, are on Amazon. They are all available, and some on Amazon, most of them on our website now, saveus.org, saveus.org. And for those of you who are listening, of course, uh, Chris Meyer is C-R-I-S-M-I-E-R. If you're searching on Amazon, and the nice thing about a podcast is you can stop it and back it up and listen to it again. There you go. And I know a lot of people will want to um, check out those books, but I want to talk about the Antichrist. Uh, you know, there's a lot that's said about it over the years. Right. Uh, different people have been identified as the Antichrist. I think a lot of people thought Mussolini was, and there are other examples as well. And sometimes... I think of the little story about the little boy who cried wolf. You know, mm -hmm. when the wolf finally came, nobody believed it. And sometimes right. I think that a lot of Christians are kind of like that. Exactly. Now, there's certainly the spirit of the Antichrist that is alive and has really been alive in the world ever since the early church. But we believe that, of course, there's a one world government coming. Yes. And now with everything that's happening, especially in this most recent election, and, uh, you know, even before that, in fact, in some ways, Donald Trump, in my opinion, at least, uh, helps uh, stop that or slow some of it down. Now it seems to be happening almost at warp speed. So talk to me about what you see happening in the world and how this ties in 
to really the the end of time because even though um, a lot of people, at least in my opinion, being an observer of the Christian community now for you know several decades, is a lot of people are just kind of nonchalant about this stuff. It's kind of like case or raw, whatever exactly. will be will be. But uh, everybody can tell that something is happening. This is culminating in something. So. Why don't you just share your thoughts on that? Sure. I appreciate you bringing that up. The question is where you begin uh, to look at that subject. Uh, maybe the best place would be in 1950 when John Paul Wardberg addressed the uh, United States Senate. In fact, I believe it was the joint session of Congress. And he declared, we will have world government whether you want it or not. We'll either have it by your uh, going along with it or by force, but we will have world government. That was an address to the United States Congress. In 1990, uh, President Herbert Walker Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, addressed the United States Senator Congress again and declared at the time of Gulf War I that we were now entering the birth pangs of a new global world order. He was the first American president to, to use those words and then 200 times during his administration, he repeated those words. So they were now invested deeply in the American mind and heart set. Then if we leapfrog forward, we find Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton were consummate globalists. Uh, Bill Clinton was a member of, well, actually he uh, got the Rhodes Scholarship. Cecil Rhodes was kind of almost like the, the uh, founder of uh, the New World Order. And uh, then you move forward from there to uh, even this last election, we'll, we'll make that leap, where even Angela Merkel declared that uh, Donald Trump had totally destroyed and frustrated the New World Order. Good for him. So, <laughs> not only that, but uh, in 2020, uh, 21, when... Uh, our current putative president, uh, Joe Biden, uh, took office. It was John Kerry who had been appointed as his environmental czar, former candidate for the presidency, also secretary of state, declared that the election of Joe Biden opened the door to the new world order. That was a headline. And as if that were not enough, in addressing the World Economic Forum shortly thereafter, he basically said, well, he did say that this process now toward the new global world order was going to move so quickly that people would not recognize it. Uh, Klaus Schwab, who is heading up the new, the, the World Economic Forum and who coined the term uh, build back better, actually gave Joe Biden the uh, theme for his election, Build Back Better. And Klaus Schwab is the one who headed up or has headed up this final move to a new global order, new world order, which euphemistically now is referred to as the Great Reset. Most recently, just, just uh, recently, in fact, I believe it was uh, last week from this broadcast, uh, it was Pope Francis 
who once again for the third or fourth time called for a new world order, as did the two previous popes. So we are now at what you might say the culmination of the great tributaries and rivers and streams of history all coming together uh, in what I call a surging maelstrom heading inexorably toward the second coming. Well, this is disturbing if you think about it, but in a way it's inevitable because of what the Bible says. Exactly. And even if Donald Trump had been able to slow it down for eight years, two 2024 would have rolled around and we'd be facing it again. Exactly. Or if not that, in 2030 or 2040, uh, which may be beyond some of our lifetimes. But, you know, something's going to happen at some point. And, uh, you know, of course, the church has to be the church in this kind of situation. But what can the average Christian do who's trying to follow the Bible, who's trying to raise their family, you know, who wants to live a quiet and peaceful life, as the Bible tells us to do, with all of these forces, because, you know, we haven't even touched on uh, the internet and all that's done. We haven't mentioned yet COVID-19. Or cancel culture. Or cancel culture, which, you know, in some ways has been going on for a long time, even if it was just to marginalize uh, biblical values. But I mean, you you know, you mentioned 1950. A lot of this stuff happened right after World War II. We just Mm -hmm. tend to not remember it or not know about it, or it didn't seem so bad back then, but it was kind of one thing led to another, and each one seems to get worse. And finally, it's bad enough that, it, that you know, people that have ignored it are certainly saying, what's happening? So tell us, what's happening? Well, what's happening is the this all of these things, various component parts are setting the final stage for the implementation of uh, the prophesied global government. The prophet Daniel talked about this. Uh, We hear about it in Revelation chapter 13 concerning the infamous mark of the beast. Uh, My book actually deals with that. But one of the things that's so different about uh, Antichrist, how to identify the coming imposter, Steve, is that it doesn't attempt to name a specific person. It also doesn't attempt to tell you exactly what the mark of the beast is. What it does is look profoundly at the developments of our time and with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of citations to verify uh, from articles and books and uh, internet sources all over the world. It's, it's happening. It's happening right before us. But here's, you, you said, what can Christians do? What should we do? The first thing we need to understand is our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, there's a dualism there, and the majority in the church are not doing that. Some are seeking first the kingdom of God, but not righteousness. Some are seeking righteousness, but not the kingdom of God. We need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his right ways. That means that if we're truly operating in the fear of the Lord, we're going to obey his word. But guess what? The most hated word in the church today is the word obey. It's a four-letter word. I have had dozens and dozens of pastors and parachurch leaders on my program who have admitted that over the past five years. The most hated word in the church is the word obey. Yet that's the one thing that Jesus said is necessary to please him. So we've got a problem. What is that problem? 
The problem is a combination of trust or lack of trust and dissing obedience. It's called disobedience. And there was a spirit of rebellion. And the enemy of our soul will play upon those two things. That's what he's playing upon. And that's what the Antichrist will do. He's going to gain the kingdom by flattery. Well, that's what our, that's what our politicians are doing. And that's what our pastors are largely doing. Flattering the people. Telling them what they want to hear. I mean, Burger King got it right, didn't it? Got to tell the people what they want. Have it your way. That's the theme. That's the theme of the mantra for ministry. Tell the people what they want. You got to grow the church. Jesus said, I'll grow my church. We decided to grow churches and have made disciples. So we've got a problem. So I would say fundamentally, since we don't have all day uh, to, to lay out further details, first of all, we've got to establish that our hope is built on nothing less. It's not built on politics. Should we try to elect the best people we can? Absolutely. Absolutely. Based upon God's eternal word. But beyond that, we know these things are going to happen because the Bible tells us. So we need to be prepared. What kind of preparation? Buying as many guns as we can have? No, that's not going to do it. It's our hearts that have to be prepared. The heart of the matter is the heart. And that's where our problem is. And that's why we don't trust God. The Bible said it's better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in men. It's better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in princes, pastors, potentates, popes, and antichrists. Because the antichrist is going to come off as the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's going to come in at a time when chaos is reigning supreme in the, in the world. You, you know, uh, nature abhors a, back, abhors a vacuum. And he's going to come in to fill a vacuum that is actually being created intentionally right now through cancel culture. That's one of the ways of creating the vacuum so that the American people and people around the world will have their cultures canceled so that they will no longer have any level of patriotism or, uh, shall we say, allegiance to their own country, to their own government, to their own people, but are being prepared to enter into a whole new regime to unite the world in a one-world government, a one-world with or using a one-world religion that is a composite that I'm writing about right now in my next book, a composite of syncretism, bringing all of these religions together. It's been working now for a long time, and it's now coming to a head. You and I, believe it or not, are being declared by the religions of the New World Order to be the ultimate I am, the God in the process of becoming. If we're the God in the process of becoming, it is a short step to embrace a counterfeit Christ. You're right about that. Let's do a deep dive on this thing about cancel culture, because it's also canceling or censoring any opinions, including Christian opinions, that go against, you know, what we call uh, political correctness. Right. Uh, so that those views are not heard, they're not considered, they're not taught to people, uh, they're, you're considered bad if you do it, you'll get in trouble if you say uh, certain things, people already get in trouble. Uh, or lose their jobs. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, which kind of makes you see that, like having the bark, mark of the beast could actually you know, happen where they're now talking about how you can't uh, buy or sell certain things. You know, there are even people talking about implanting chips in people, which would have been unthinkable in the past. But well, now it's even deeper than that, Steve. 
in uh, March of last year, I believe it was March 13th, it was Bill Gates and Microsoft that took out a patent with the United States Patent Office. They applied for a patent, and a very unusual patent, to insert a little nano chip type of thing, uh, just a series of dots is what it is, a series of dots that would be inserted for the express purpose of eliminating all cash, eliminating all banks as we know them. And from that moment on, your body will tell, will testify of what monies you have available, what you're spending, how you're going to spend it. And it's connected all with a universal economic governing authority called a one world government which is what Bill Gates has been working for through the vaccines. So all of this is coming together at this unbelievable moment of time, and we're being set up. Now, let's talk about this cancel culture thing. We think of it in terms of affirmative cancel culture. In other words, powers out there are canceling us. The bigger problem is self-canceling. That's what they're really after. It's, it works through fear and intimidation to force not just Christians, but uh, those who believe in their country, who believe in the foundations of our government, you no longer can talk about it. You no longer can express it. And not only will they control you by taking away your job, preventing you from getting jobs and all of that type of stuff. That's affirmative canceling. But what they're really after is total intimidation so that you will self-cancel. You will never again be able to speak the truth, even in love, or it may be off with your head. Epic Times, you know, which is one of the few conservative newspapers, did a big story on self-censorship, uh, kind of from the Chinese perspective, mm -hmm. and how that is playing out in our culture. And I mean, I know from um, uh, personal experience, even this week, of talking to some Christian leaders, discussing what that, well, there's certain things you just don't post on Facebook because you're going to get cult canceled, but you can uh, put it on your own website, which, you know, for now at least, mm -hmm. you still have some independence, but... Um, it's for, now. for now. Mm -hmm. It's right. It's self-censorship where you just keep your mouth shut. And that happens in a lot of settings. You well, know, pastors have been self-censoring for, uh, for 40 years. They're afraid. They're afraid of two things. Number one, they're afraid of the government. Number two, they're afraid of their people. It's simple. And so we don't fear the Lord. We fear people and we fear government. And a government you know, our founders said that we should fear the government, excuse me, that the government should fear the people. That was the best kind of government. But what they want is for the people to fear the government. When they take away your guns, that was the whole purpose of taking away guns. I'm not a gun enthusiast, so I can speak to this with credibility and integrity. Uh, but that's the reason. And all of these things are now coming together uh, and the time is very short. As John Kerry said, this is going to move much more quickly than you would ever imagine. And uh, John Klaus, not John, uh, Klaus Schwab, heading up the uh, World Economic Forum, has decreed 
This will all be reach its culmination by 2030. That is nine years from now. Boy, that's frightening in a lot of ways. But, you know, I remember Francis Schaeffer, who wrote the book, How Then Shall We Live? Oh, in the 1970s, never mm-hmm. um, he was talking about the erosion in Western civilization of, you know, basically Christian ideals. So even people who are not necessarily believers in Jesus, uh, you know, as their personal savior, like we evangelicals would uh, term it, uh, there was at least a a consensus uh, that certain Christian values, I mean, as simple as things like thou shalt not murder and those mm-hmm. kinds of things, were the basis of the culture. And he said in 1978, and I hope I'm quoting him correctly, that as that eroded, the vacuum that you spoke of would be filled by science, by by technology, and by government. And that's what we're seeing right before our eyes. He was really... He was really being prophetic. and uh, No question about it. Kathy and I, we've been married for 56 years now, and uh, married in 1966. And uh, we have watched this. We've talked many times about Francis Schaeffer, uh, how shall we then live? Uh, those words echo off of her lips frequently. And, uh, you know, you mentioned 1978 when Francis Schaeffer wrote, or 77. How about in 1967? When fifth, the Fifth Dimension Music Group uh, that was uh, playing for the musical Hair sang that famous or infamous song, This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. You know when the age of Aquarius began? Not in 1967 when they sang it. On December 20th, 2020, with the merging of Saturn and Jupiter, that was from their perspective, the dawning of the age of Aquarius. And three weeks later, Joe Biden was elected. Boy, that's fascinating. You know, we have so much to cover, and I want to uh, focus for the last few minutes of this podcast on your book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. So you have written more than 400 pages. <laughs> yeah. um, and I want you to just talk a little bit about it. Uh, you, you know, you can't cover it all. Sure. No way. But to maybe to encourage people to get a copy of this book. And is there a simple way to say how to identify the coming imposter? He's false. He's a counterfeit. Uh, he will gain the kingdom by flattery. He will tell people what they want to hear. But one of the most interesting things about this fella is, as the prophet Daniel said, he will, through the pursuit of peace, destroy many. Now think about that. The world is crying peace, peace, but there is no peace. But they're crying for peace. That's the unifying cry. When Joe Biden says, we're coming here for unity, 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 this our cry. That's been the cry ever since the uh, uh, mayor's prayer breakfast and the president's prayer breakfast uh, system began in the 1970s. From there, it moved from Christianity to uniting the religion, all the religions of the world or the most popular religions all in the context of those prayer breakfasts. It's all been moving inexorably toward this moment where The Christian faith, which is absolutist, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man will come to the Father by me. Now that's being replaced by another whole system that says we believe everything but that. 
And if you believe that, if you believe that, you must be canceled. Now, I want to tell you what the New Ages, the New Agers, they have a term for this. It's called selecting out or the selection process. What that really means is the elimination from the planet. Why? Because you now are the enemy of world peace. You're not embracing all of this religion of peace. You're the enemy of world peace, and therefore, we just cannot tolerate that anymore. We can tolerate everything in the name of peace, but we can't tolerate that. So when the prophet Daniel says that through the pursuit of peace, the Antichrist will destroy many, I think that is one of the most significant points to understand. We have to understand where this peace stuff is moving. And the moment they set peace as the agenda, that's a secondary agenda. Jesus said, I'll give you peace if you follow me. He is the Prince of Peace. But if you follow something else, you're going to get a pseudo peace, a false peace. And uh, so it's going to be, that's going to be a major decision that people have to make. And the majority of Christians, if they have not reestablished their trust in the Lord, I'm not talking about quick prayers. I'm talking about real life commitment. Jesus, he said, if you're not willing to take up your cross and take it up daily, you can't even be my disciple. When was that last preached? I don't think so. And increasingly, as we, as we come to this moment, the Christian, it's not just our educational system that's dumbed down, it's the whole church is dumbed down. We've been participated in it. We've been co-conspirators, so to speak, in it, in order to grow our churches. A false agenda. And whenever you embrace a secondary agenda and place it as your primary purpose, guess what happens? Always compromise. Always compromise. So compromise is going to be uh, one of the uh, uh, clearest expressions. We will be required to compromise at every point. And as I wrote in my book, Seduction of the Saints, the road to hell is paved at Compromise Corner. So uh, the Antichrist. He's anti, yes, but he's false. He's counterfeit, and he's going to appear like a counterfeit dollar bill. He's going to appear like the real thing to the majority of the people. And they're going to be so without hope, without any anchor to their soul, that they will ultimately capitulate. And then, when that infamous mark is presented, as a means of demonstrating the counterfeit Christ and his entire uh, earthly heavenly agenda, so to speak, heaven on earth agenda, the utopian agenda, when he presents that so that every man, woman, and child must receive that mark in order to carry on business, in order to do anything through your life, with your life, you must receive it. The Bible says it is a testimony of your allegiance and an act of worship. Why is that? Because God ultimately wants us to trust him. That's why. And it reveals we don't trust him. That's what God is after. Our trust. Trust and obey. For there's no other way, Steve, you know that. 
to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, then he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. That's the distillation of what we must do. It's not physical preparation, it's spiritual preparation. And these are the ultimate moments of world history. As we wrap up this podcast, I want you to tell the listener, what can the average person do? Of course, you've been talking about yes, that. Uh -huh. But is there something we can do? What is it going to take to turn things around? Or is it even possible to turn things around? When you say turn things around, I think you're probably speaking of culturally and politically. <clears throat> the answer is there's nothing you can do in and of itself other than seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, just like it was in the first century. Jesus didn't call for a political uprising. He called for obedience and he called for humility and he called for repentance. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the message of the scripture. From John the Baptist introducing Jesus to the seven churches of Asia and Revelation 21, repent, repent, repent. And that is the most positive word in the Bible. We won't repent unless we agree that we're out of line with God's word, will, or ways in some way. So that's what we need to do. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, is there some way in which my life is not lining up with your will, your word, and your way? And fortunately, the Apostle Paul says that the Lord is working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But we have to be willing to yield. It's surrender. One of my wife's favorite words now is surrender. All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. Now, what hope can we expect for America, for instance? We live in America. We're Americans. As I have told many for the past eight, 10 years, when they asked me, Chuck, where is the hope? I said, ultimately, given the trajectory of history, there is no hope absent a major move of the Holy Spirit, a sweeping move of the Holy Spirit to bring Christians and their pastors to their knees. Rather than calling America and the politicians to come to their knees, no, God is saying, if my people, the ones who call themselves by my name, it's you guys. It's not them. It's not the liberals. It's not the abortion. It's not the homosexuals. It's not Slick Willie in the White House, Barack Obama, or whoever. It's my people. We haven't been willing to recognize that. For 40 years of spouting off 2 Chronicles 714 before the Lord of Nations, and he's fed up to hear hearing it because we don't agree with his conditions my people. I tell you, Steve, when God told me to leave the practice of law to do this, he took all of my ability to make a living away, all of it. I was at the height of my career as a lawyer. I walked away from all of it. All the perks, all the power, all the positions, everything that I ever had or developed. And since then, we've been pleading the cause of a lifetime through our radio program, through these books, even through our conversation here, pleading with God's people. I don't receive a salary. I don't receive 
anything from anyone that could possibly color what I say or don't say in this ministry because money has had the church by the throat. I'm not bragging about that. God has found another way to provide for us. And we're so grateful for that. It's a miracle. We don't have time to talk about that. But I tell you, Steve, this is the ultimate moment in human history. We're pleading the cause of a lifetime to a jury of my peers, the American people, but particularly the church in America. Well, we'll leave it there. And that's so well said. And you packed an awful lot into a fairly short podcast. I want to thank you for taking time to be with us today on the Strang Report. I want to encourage people to check out your books, uh, as we talked about earlier, especially this new one called Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. I'd like to uh, ask my listeners to share this very, very important podcast uh, every way you can. Uh, text message, email, putting on social media. Uh, we need to get the word out. And also, while you're at it, click the subscribe button to the Strang Report or leave us a review on, on uh, iTunes or other places where you can do that. It, it helps us out. And tune in again tomorrow for another edition of the Strang Report podcast, the podcast to encourage you to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the only way we're going to live and we're going to survive the way that Charles Chris Meyer has been talking mm, today. Absolutely. I'm Stephen Strang. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Strang Report with Steve Strang. To read more from Steve, visit his blog, The Strang Report, on charismamag.com. Again, that's The Strang Report on charismamag.com. This is Stephen Strang, and I'm back in the studio, and I just want to add something to this podcast. First of all, you must have enjoyed it if you're still with me. Second of all, I hope it made you want to read the book. As I said earlier, it will be out September 7th. That's the day after Labor Day. That's the day when Amazon will ship your book if you pre-order it. We will actually have copies a couple of weeks before that so they can have time to go to all the stores. I'll be promoting it in lots and lots of ways. You can find out about it on my own website, stevestrangbooks.com. There is a trailer to the book. There's some sample things that you can read. You can buy autographed copies of all the books that I've written. So just check out my site, stevestrangbooks.com. It's my name, Steve Strang. No E on the end of Strang, and then the word books.com. If you know me, you know I go by both Steve and Stephen. With the book, I go by Stephen, but the website is stevestrangbooks.com. I don't even know. When somebody asked me what, to, what they should call me, some... Times I don't even know what to say. So anyway, I just wanted to uh, help you remember how to say the name of the website. Thank you for listening to my new podcast, God and Cancel Culture. I believe it's the most important book I've written. God bless you.